Well, hey, we appreciate you coming. I know there's so many other places you could go, and we're going to talk about something that is kind of old school. You know, like, is there anything that we can actually learn from testimonies? Um, testimonies have been going on for a while. Welcome, come in. Um, but we think that that maybe they have been underused and possibly even misused. And we'll talk a little bit about that later. But I guess the first question we want to ask and, and want to answer is, why do we share testimonies? And of course, we go to 1 Peter chapter 3 that says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks uh, for the reason why you have a hope that you have. And so we really want to talk a little bit about that. And we think that, that uh, testimonies can be a really great entrance ramp um, for your members to start sharing their stories with other people. And so basically we want to say that testimonies give an opportunity for people to, um, to, to actually participate in worship uh, in a real way. So, Yeah, so kind of the way that we started down this path is I took a group to Winterfest several years ago, and they had a gentleman that works in Hollywood. He writes comic books, and he just got up and talked about how we don't practice sharing our our testimonies and how that can be such a powerful evangelistic tool and I came back and we just kind of started the conversation and we're like well what would that look like in our local congregation and so today we're, we are going to be sharing a, a little bit of kind of like the philosophy of doing testimonies and kind of some of those abstract things but we also want to get into the really kind of kind of nuts and bolts things and so we started these pre- COVID, and I think we're supposed to say our name in church and stuff with the microphone. Oh, yeah. My name's Lance Havens. I'm the youth minister at the Taylor Street Church of Christ in Hobbs, New Mexico. And this is Doug Crum. I'm also at Taylor Street Church of Christ. I'm the preaching minister there in Hobbs. But but we're a smaller congregation. We're, we run about 150 on a typical Sunday morning. Um, and we just wanted to incorporate some of the stories of our members into the daily life of the church and so uh we we kind of started on this journey and really that's what we want to share and just some of the of the striking things is that uh we intentionally give our people whiplash we come in with stories that are kind of like the the stereotypical like i was out there in the world i was doing all of this crazy stuff we had one guy who, who spent multiple years in the, in the penal system in Arkansas. And then the next week we have an elder's wife, or the next month we have an elder's wife that comes up and shares a story. And so we, we just like to try to incorporate as many stories as we can because somebody there is going to identify with that story. Yeah, and so and that's, that's kind of why we do it. And everybody has a story. In fact, as, as Lance mentioned, we had one month we had a guy who was a convicted felon, spent time in jail, and shared his story, just a riveting, powerful story of his, his conviction uh, and uh, how he was convicted and, and was transformed. And, and then after that, I had an older, I had an elder's wife come up and say, you know what, I really have been wrestling with this. And after hearing his story, I realized that I need to be willing to share mine as well. And so, and she does not have the same story. She was not in prison. She does not have this, you know, road to Damascus. But we celebrate 
those people just as much whose stories don't have this fantastic conversion story. And so we're, we're really excited to, to be able to, to share that. And, and one more thing I think is really important, and this is, we're not doing this to say, hey, this gives you a week off from teaching, right? This is honestly, as, as we talked about in a few minutes, there's a lot of, of work involved, but there's a blessing a little bit for us, even though it's harder, we get to hear these stories, we get to help craft them. It's, it's a big blessing for the people who get to share those stories. And for your people who get to sit and listen to these stories, if you choose to do them you know, in a corporate setting, is that they get to hear a different voice. Uh, and a, a few months ago, I was at uh, ACU Summit, and they were talking about having an old, open pulpit. And one of the things that one of the, the teachers talked about is that we all see Jesus as our Lord, our Savior, our teacher, or our friend. And we just have that bent towards that. And so when you allow other voices to come in, you're allowing other members who may see Jesus a little different than you do, that LSTF, and it allows them uh, to, um, to, to hear that and, and learn it in a different way. So um, who do we pick to do this? How, how does that go? Is it like we lottery, we roll the, and pull a name out? or? Yeah, so literally Doug and I just, we uh, alternate months and we just go and ask folks and you uh, have a handout here and the, the back side is a question. The front side here, hey, seen you in forever. Um, uh, the front side here is just a uh, email that we send out. So we, we approach a person, we say, hey, you know, would you be interested in sharing your story on a Wednesday night in you know, August or whatever? And, and then I, I don't want an answer in the moment. I say, don't answer yet. I'm gonna send you an email and it's a version of this. It's a little bit different that we send to them. And then it has the questions. And so we just approach them and I send that out and then I say, I, I will follow this up with a phone call. And then we call them and say, hey, you know, have you had time to look at this? What do you think? And normally th there's a few people that have just been a hard no. A lot of people are like, I don't think I'm ready to do that yet. And I'm like, okay, can I, can I ask you again perhaps in six months? And so we just kind of keep a list of people and we, we intentionally, we go for young, for old, we go for leaders in the church. We go for people who don't have an official leadership role. We go for uh, men and women both. That's that's a great way if you're if you're in a more complementarian setting, which we are. Um, that is a way to to incorporate more uh, uh, voices of women. And so, um, yeah, I'll let you kind of take off and yeah, continue no. that conversation. And and we look for stories that are chaotic and ones that are stable. Bruce, it is so good to see you. <laughs> Glad that you're here. Uh, and so we we want to celebrate all of God's stories. We want to be able to, to celebrate and recognize the, the younger brother who went out and lived among the pigs in the far country. And we also want to honor the older brother who was just out in the family field, uh, uh, you know, a few yards away. And, and what's important to remember, if you go back to Luke 15, is that the father invited both of them to the table. And so we want to invite all different people to the table and celebrate that. And again, if we have a little lady who says, you know what, I don't have this crazy wild story, when she shares it, she's speaking to a group of people who are just like her. 
and they can identify and her story resonates with them. And then as Lance mentioned, we try to do whiplash. If we have one wild and crazy story, and we've had some of them, you, like I think we're a pretty normal church and we've had some crazy stories. And so we try to flip flop and have one that says, okay, here's, you know, one that, you know, they're not swinging out of the rafters, barns coming down. And, yeah. and some of our elders have crazy stories from their past that, that they've been vulnerable and have shared. And so it, it really is a pretty safe space for sharing those uh, types of things. Um, so, okay, so now I think this is probably the most important part of this is, like, how does this sound? And Lance came across, uh, I'm going to use the word algorithm, an algorithm that is used. And I think this is a really key part of the testimonies because we have all been in there when the testimony sounded something like, Man, I could drink everybody under the table. It was wild. It was crazy. It was awesome. I had the best time of my life. Then I met Jesus, and now I go to church on Sunday. And it's like, like it is such a letdown. And, and really, our, our conversion story is really the beginning. And so there's the one, two, three model yeah. that Lance uses. Yeah, and so I'm terrible at math, but I think that I can <laughs> explain this. So, you know, if the, if the testimony is, is going to be six parts— make one part of this is my old life before Jesus. And we'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. Even I'm bored with behaviors. I want to know why somebody acts out the way that they do, what their coping skills are and those types of things. So, so one part of that six is this is how I was before Christ. And then do two parts on this is how I came to say yes to Jesus. I love those stories. I love those stories about the you know, the high school football coach that ministered to a student or, you know, in one case, the, the, the preacher who bothered to walk into a prison to minister to somebody that became one of our members. Um, you know, the grandparents, the, the best friend, the dad who got down and prayed with his kids and for, and for people to share those stories about this is why I said yes to Jesus. Um, my teenagers are in the room as these stories are being told. And people can't help but to sit there and start identifying. And every time we get to that part of the testimony, I'm just praying that my teenagers are thinking about the people that have poured in into their spirituality. And they're thinking, oh, I, I do have somebody like that in my life. I have had that moment. Um, I want to elicit a, uh, a hunger and a thirst for those types of moments. So we want that to be two-sixths of the story. And then, um, and then we want half the story, three six, to be um, this is my new life with Jesus. And so we always finish with, what are you doing now, right? This is not a coronation. You are not being inducted into the um, into the Hall of Fame of Christianity. Like we are not canonizing or sainting anybody. Um, what is God doing with you now? Um, because the story's not over. Yeah, and, and too many of the stories, testimonies that I heard um, were leaned so heavily on the here's, here's what happened in my life, and then, then I came to know Jesus, and they're like, well, what happened after that? Yeah, and Well, it, I don't go to the bar anymore. Yeah, and it, and it really puts the focus on kind of the wrong part of the story. Uh, Jamie and, and I grew up in a small West Texas town, and we had a leader that would get up and like, I mean, it felt like every week was him telling stories of how bad he was in high school. 
and you know it, it was five sixths of the of the lesson that that week and then the last part would be and then Jesus came and saved me from having so much fun and it and it almost trains people into thinking well if if I don't have a story that sounds like that then I can't really be a good Christian I can't be a leader because I don't have a story and so there there uh, can be a really toxic side of, of sharing testimonies and so that's one of the reasons why we meet with people for so long before they actually give it is um, you know we want to be accurate and truthful, but we also want to help them shape it. You know, the um, Apostle Paul shares his uh, testimony a, a couple of times in the New Testament, and it's a, it's a, always to further the cause of Christ. It's never to just kind of like revel in like, you know, I was there at the stoning of Stephen and going into details of the blood and the gore and the violence. I mean, he could really milk that story and elicit a lot of emotional responses And sometimes it's really tempting to do that as Christian leaders uh, to really kind of find those stories and and really wrench the um, the, uh, chamois out for for all the uh, rhetorical and emotional mileage that we can get. Um, And so we don't want to be seduced into doing those things. We really want to focus on, okay, we're telling this story not, not just because it's a great story, but um, to bring people closer to Christ. And so uh, we, there's, there's quite a bit of work that goes into uh, doing that. Yeah, and if five-sixths of your story is, you know, everything that happened before Jesus, then you're left with, okay, well, my life is almost over once I choose to follow him. Yeah. And that's just, that's not the case at all. Yeah, um, the, uh, the Bible <coughs> Project guys have a, have a saying that um, there's kind of this, ideology of uh get saved and then behave and like that's that's the message that some people get and um it's not you know we we have a conversion but there's still a whole journey after that and sometimes we spend more on that part of the story than we do on the actual conversion about okay what's the trials that came afterwards it's not that i've been walking with christ so well it's that it's that there's trials that come after that that um you have to refall back on Jesus again. Yeah. And we had one of our little sweet old ladies. She just went through such a tragic event. I mean, she loved the Lord, was was saved, I think, at, at nine years old. She's a minister's kid. Minister, preacher's kid. And just, she was always, and then in her, I would say, probably late, mid-50s, she, her, her daughter was killed by her son-in-law who then killed himself. And then she took on, um, raising a 12-year-old and a 3-year-old. And I think a part of that story is just because, you know, just because you have this conversion experience, just because you're walking with Jesus does not mean that everything is going to be great after that. And so she talks about how, as a very faithful woman, you know, she wouldn't have called herself faithful, but but as a very faithful woman, she went through this traumatic period. And, and you know, sometimes, you know, when you're in the boat with Jesus, uh, it just means that the waters can still be pretty rough. Yeah. So that I want to talk about for just a minute. We're going to kind of shift gears. And this is one way that we do this a little differently. Um, just to give you a little context, um, I've, I've been at the, the church I'm at for 11 years. Lance has been there for 16 years. We've had to put, each, put up with each other for a really long time. Dan, you've known him longer than this, and so you've had to put up with him a whole lot longer. 
Um, but it's he's done me longer than that. Yeah, so it's um, uh, it, it's been a really special rela- relationship. But one of the things I've enjoyed just about more than anything else the last eleven years is getting to co-teach with him. Um, and so I, I think he makes me a, a lot more interesting and a lot more um, better teacher when we work together. Um, and so we we've done that a little, and and we decided to to stick with this format. And so this is one of the things that, that may deviate from a normal testimony that I'm used to seeing. And I'll use the phrase, I, I think I call it like a, a talk show format. But that's what we really like to do. And there's several reasons why we like to do it. Because we want to continue to, to help um, craft that conversation, that testimonial, even as it's happening. Uh, we do get together, and we'll talk about this later. We meet with them before we do it. We listen to their story. We talk about it. We go over these questions. But you know what happens, especially if there's someone who's not really familiar with this. This is their first time doing it. Like, we could sit in a room, and we can hear their story. It may take a couple hours. And then you put them in, gr- in front of a group of people, and if they're by themselves, in like 17 minutes, they're done, and they're drenched in sweat, and it looks like they just ran a marathon, like they're a sprint. And so we like to go up there with them. Uh, the, the, the format, I know it may not seem like a big deal, and it may not be, but we have these little desks or tables up there with tall stools or tall tables. And we sit there, and sometimes we almost just listen yeah. the, nearly the whole time. And then other times, you know, we'll kind of help tease out some of the things that we talked about earlier. You re- So we, we invite the person to do it, and they come in, and we typically will be over a lunch. And like we had an elder that we did pretty uh, early on that I think we met three hours with yeah. him. And he would start telling stories and we're and then about halfway through, he'd be like, let's not tell that one. <laughs> yeah. And we're like, fair enough. <laughs> and so we've met with him forever. And so he's one that you could just sit down and <coughs> he could just talk. There's other people that they come in and they just tell stories and they talk and we're like, this is easy. And then, and then they get that stage fright moment. And so then Doug and I are there to kind of help, help kind of guide and keep it on the rails. And, you know, we, we tell them, like, we don't want to hear your entire life story. Like, we don't need to hear, hear the name of every teacher you had in grade school. Like, you know, let's, we are telling this with a, with a purpose. So um, I, I hate biopics, but if you watch biopics, they all follow a format. They all follow, like, a pattern. Um, the testimonies are, are a little bit similar in that, like, we're not going to tell everything. I mean, the Gospels don't do that in the life of Jesus, so we're not going to do it for our church members. But we're telling it with a purpose. And so that's really what Doug and I are there for, is to, is to kind of help shape and, and kind of tease that out. Because sometimes that person that talks a lot in, the, in kind of the pre-interview, when you get them on stage, they just freeze up. And so, like, the guy that we mentioned who, uh, who, who had done some time in uh, prison, um, during his pre-interview, he just, he just talked. And when he told his uh, testimony of saying yes to Jesus and getting in the water and how that felt in prison, it was like the best story I've ever heard in my life. And then he gets up in front of the whole congregation and, like, speeds past that. <laughs> and Doug was like, whoa, 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 stop, like, stop, whoa. Go back and tell that again, yeah. like you told us. Yeah, like, um, I want people to be able to hear this. And so, yeah, he, he teased me. I'm like, no, no, let's make sure we get this in Well, there. and then he told it again. And then I felt like five minutes later, you're like, no, no, but let's go back to that. Let's, let's go to it like one more time. I yeah. want everybody to be able to, to get the, the full effect of it. Yeah, and so uh, that's, 
that's kind of the, um, I guess, the format that we're talking about here. Um, and so we do meet with them. We shape their story. Um, it's more work than what it sounds like. Um, it's, it's more than just setting somebody up and letting them go because you do have to be gentle uh, and you have to say, well, maybe this whole road you're going down, like that, that's not furthering the point of Christ. And so just, just kind of having those conversations and kind of gently shaping. And then we always tell people if they tell us something in the pre-interview and then they don't want that brought up Wednesday, just tell us. Just say, hey, you know that thing I said about that one thing? I don't want to bring that up Wednesday night. And so we always honor that. Yeah. I so, think it's, sorry, I just wanted to say, I think it's neat that you let them tell everything first to you guys. And then you can say, okay, this is how we're going to shape this into the one, two, three pattern of this is how I was, this is what I'm doing, and this is what I want you to pray for. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really, as they tell that story, as they verbalize it, that really, uh, you know, cements it. That helps them to, to better remember and, and form it and, and tell it to other people. And so as we go through that run through, um, that's important. Now, every everything has changed. I didn't even want to mention this word because it drives me crazy. But I'm going to say things change a lot since COVID. And for us that changed and for everybody it changed how we allow people to worship and what they're able to see online and and for us we we added in video which we didn't have beforehand so um this is something we wanted to talk a little bit about uh is that we on a typical uh sunday morning wednesday night we have a camera and we have it pointing and it's going but we also recognize that for uh multiple reasons that we may not want to have this shown. And so, Lance, we give them a few options. Yeah, so uh, we give the choice. And this is something that we do in the pre-interview is we say uh, we can set the camera up and we can stream it live. And then if you want to stay on Facebook and social media, then it'll stay there. If you want us to delete it right after we do it, like whoever has seen it has seen it, but, it'll, but it won't be seen again in theory. I know that hard to delete things permanently from the internet, but uh, we can delete it. We can set up the camera and not stream and record it and save it to the memory stick. And then we can give that to you or to your family. Or if you want us to post it to social media, we can. Um, Or the camera can stay in the closet and it won't be out and there's no possibility of of it being recorded. And so the last testimony that we did, that's the options that we gave and she was kind of vague, but you could tell she didn't want it recorded. And so we just kind of honored that and we left the camera. Actually, I'm not that smart. I, I set the camera up and got it all up and I was like, wait a minute, I forgot. And so we put the camera away and her family blew up my phone the next week. Like, hey, can y'all redo that so that we can have it on tape? And I was like, we can. And the person asked us not to. And so we did, and she's like, no, I, I didn't want it recorded. I, I don't want it out there. And so uh, we uh, honor that always. Um, and, and so just, just kind of having that conversation beforehand um, is a pretty wise thing to do, I feel like. Yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, so we, we've kind of gone over this, this process. Um, so, and we talked a little bit about camera and, and what we do and don't do. How about, like, 
when do we share it? Just, just for us, what do we choose to do? We kind of talked about that. But. Yeah, uh, so Wednesday night is kind of our banner meeting um, every week. Uh, we, we do a meal. Uh, we, we, we have some members that are just saints that um, run a, a bus ministry, and they bring in some folks that otherwise wouldn't be there. And so we do it uh, once a month on Wednesday nights, and we'll run around 150 on a Sunday morning, and our Wednesday nights have been running like 120, 130. Um, I will say this, if you're not gonna stream to social media and you're gonna do a testimony, send an email out and let people know. The one that we just did, I, I, I posted on Facebook like an hour and a half before, like there won't be a live stream tonight. Uh, we we should have let people know. There's people that, that would have otherwise not have been there that would have been there. And so if you're not gonna record it, uh, let people know. And so Wednesday night is kind of, I, I don't know, I put it in the notes here that that's when we probably have the most amount of energy. And so we're just kind of piggybacking on that anyway and, 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 and trying to build a really solid Wednesday night. I don't know why you couldn't do it on a Sunday Bible class or even Sunday as part of the worship service. Um, it probably would change the worship service quite a bit just just because of time constraints. Um, but we plan on between 25 to 45 minutes long is what we plan on. If somebody's done in 25 or 30 minutes, we don't sit up there and stretch it out because that's uncomfortable for everybody. And so the teenagers do stay in for that. Um, the children don't. So anybody grade school and down, they go to their regular Wednesday night class. Yeah, we're, we are proud of our Wednesday nights, and, and we do have some just amazing, faithful people. It speaks so much more about them than, than us. But for us to have you know nearly 80% retention between a Sunday morning and a Wednesday night is pretty special. And if it's a testimonial night, then those numbers sometimes get bumped even higher. Uh, and one of the things that I noticed about this, we've probably, I don't know how long we've been doing this, but we've probably done at least a dozen yeah. testimonies. COVID kind of threw a, a wrench in that. Yeah, uh, but we picked back up and started doing them again. This is a weird thing. <laughs> they take just about as long as the, the, the other classes that we do. I mean, or they usually take close to 45 minutes by the time we're all said and done. I can't, I can't explain it other than to say, when the testimony is over, you know if you're standing out in the parking lot, you know if it's been a testimonial night because people don't leave for like 15, 20, 30 minutes after it's over. It's like there's an energy. There's just people hear that story, and um, we do always end with after, you know, we do ask them, um, you know, how can we pray for you? We surround them and pray for them. And that big blob of people does not move for a long time. And people just continue those conversations, both with the speaker and with one another. And it's just, it's so, like you can feel the energy, you can feel the spirit moving, really. And it doesn't happen that way, at least at our place, on a, on a typical Wednesday night, as far as people staying for that long. Yeah, like if I'm teaching, like before I'm done, they're ready to leave. I mean, they're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's that's something that's that's really special. Okay, um, did we want to go over any of the questions? Uh, we we can. Let's just talk about those just real quick. We know you have them. We we believe that you can read them, but but um, you know, again, you're going to notice that 
that really it's just those first two questions that really talk about that that part number one in which you know tell us a little bit about yourself but then it's going to lead into real quickly into you know how are you in, introduced to Jesus and and this is number five well before we get to five we like to ask what did you love like what was something that was really important to you and that leads into Lance number five that that you've pointed out and love to share yeah um Luke Luke 20 is one of my favorite verses because it pretty much at least for me really speaks to the human to the human condition as far as you know you kind of have two choices in life and I'll pick this up in 18 uh, Jesus is going to call himself the cornerstone and he's going to say everyone who falls on on that stone will be broken and so and so that's choice one to be broken choice two is anyone on uh, whom it falls will be crushed and so we like to ask people like okay when when did you fall on Jesus and when were you broken and um we're not really looking for behaviors at that point. We're like, what, what, what were your coping skills? What, what was your way of being? What, what were some of those things that you looked to for uh, support and help? When you were really in trouble, what did you turn to? And so some people can say gangs and drugs and sex and stuff like that. And like, that's their story. But maybe for some other people who were raised in good, godly homes, they're like, man, I just seized with jealousy. I was jealous of a sibling. Um, you know, I just I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of insecurity. And when I felt insecure, then like, you know, I would I would turn to these things. And they might not necessarily be sinful, but it's but it's still their story. And so just just kind of putting it back on Jesus saying, okay, but at what point did you give up even things that aren't necessarily like overtly sinful that you typically hear about during a testimonial but like what are those crutches in life that you gave up um i've heard randy harris speak several times and he talked about how uh, just being like like really smart and really academically gifted was like something that like you know he had to tear down in his uh, own life i know i know in my life that when i'm in a bind or in a corner i'm like i'm e either gonna work hard or argue right those are those are crutches those are things that helped get me through childhood and through adolescence. But at some point, it's like, okay, I have to trust God more than I trust my ability to outwork a bad situation. Or, or I have to trust God more than I trust my um, ability to flame somebody, right? To argue my way out, 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 of, out of a situation. At some point, I, I have to put my trust in God. And so that, that's really the, the kind of the heart of what we're going for there. Yeah, and, and like you said, like again, I would I would describe our church as a pretty normal church. You would be surprised at some of the crazy stories that, that we have heard. Um, you know, five failed marriages. You know, you know a, a shootout that ended up in, in you know felony charges. Um, you know, a, a PK that went off the a preacher's kid that went off the rails and got into all sorts of stuff. And like, there's not everybody can connect with that. Not everybody can say, I remember that time I, I pulled out my nine millimeter and got into this fight. Like, but like almost all of us can say, 
you know, I remember when pride got a hold of me, and that led me, you know, to not talk to my sister for eight years, you know. And so we want to just remind people, even though they have these stories, to say, okay, now what is the root of this? What's what's causing us to do this? And so we've, we've really tried to help remind people that, that pride and, man, the big one is unforgiveness. Just the unforgiveness that we hold against parents and, and siblings and, and children and bosses and just it can just preachers it just can fester uh, and even if it didn't end in a gunfight or a divorce you know there is that that root sin that is is really festering and, and we've got to be able to, to to be willing to let that go everyone uh, has to be forgiven of something everybody has to crucify something and so these testimonies allow us to do that um, again I, I mentioned um, when when I was at, at Summit, they talked about an open pulpit, and we're, we're not in a place in Hobbs where that's, um, we're, we're really there yet completely, but this is really a great on-ramp to that, because it allows people, if I walked up to, I, I don't know that I could hardly walk up to any one of my members and say, hey, would you like to preach, you know, in six months or six weeks? Um, they would probably run as far and as fast as they could but if I could say hey you know would you like to share your story um, one of the guys that, that shared his testimony I said hey I, I think we need to get you in the pulpit soon and he's like okay and I think he was surprised by saying that and I was a little bit surprised by him agreeing but like I just think it's a good natural organic way to, to get people to, to share those stories um so I don't know how many of you watched The Chosen. I don't know that I'm like, I, I, I just love The Chosen. It, to me, it's just really neat. Um, but, but there's my favorite line uh, in it where, where Mary um, has been healed and Nicodemus has gone to her and he's questioning her. Okay, this is not in the Bible, but it's still fun to imagine. And he's trying to figure out how in the world did, did this happen. And he's peppering her with questions and she makes this statement. She says, I was one way, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. And I just think that is so powerful, and that really should shape how we tell that story. Um, I would love to imagine that in 50 years that, that there will be a building on the corner of, of Taylor and Fowler in Hobbs, where there's 150 or 250 or 350 people meeting, there might not be 50. Um, I don't know what it's going to look like. I know that the climate has changed quite a bit. Um, I know that that our churches are dying, but I know that His isn't, and the way that it lives on is how we continue to tell the story of Jesus through our words and through our actions. And I really think that we need to be equipping our people not to be an audience that sits on Sunday, but to be followers of Jesus who profess who he is and who learn their story and tell it wherever they go. So.
I'm even a nerd like I even I haven't worn this shit because I was so excited. I got a, I, I went online and got this little shirt that that says what what Mary said. So um, uh, maybe maybe this is something that'll remind you that as as we go out, we we have a, a story to tell. So so open up for questions. Yeah. you guys. Yes. yes. I just wanted to share. We do this on Wednesday night in our ladies' class. <coughs> we do not call it testimony. Yes. We call it uh, how has God shaped your story, mm -hmm. and not only the growth in the women that share, but the growth of the women who hear the stories. And sure. you're right. We stick around for a long time afterwards and just encourage one another and talk about your story, sure. how God has revealed Himself not only in them but us as they share mm -hmm. it's been a class where people don't miss yeah and I feel sorry for the other teachers on Wednesday nights because the women don't go to their class <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you know so yeah it's been the best thing we've done in our church you can never do this in a pulpit yeah or in front of men which is sad because the stories are just amazing yeah we've been so touched by all of the stories, but I mean, the, the women as much as the guys have been so profound and moving. But, but I mean, it probably does change it in a, in a mixed audience. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, we do try to keep things at least, I don't know, PG, PG-13. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Well, there is no preparation ahead of time. Mm -hmm. She just gives us a sheet like this, mm -hmm. and we do our story, and she doesn't know what we're going to say. Mm -hmm. But everyone's aware of their audience in that room, so there's nothing been inappropriate or sure. they share what they feel like they can share. Mm -hmm. And then if other people want to expound on that, we'll ask questions at the end sometimes, and it's just been wonderful. That's great. Do you have a Do you have a goal of like I want to get I want to do a testimony a certain amount? Year, you know, like, and then how do you find the people that you decide? I really want to meet with them and talk to them, and like, how do you decide who that person's going to be? So, we just take turns picking them, we alternate months, and we do one a month, and then in the summer, we don't do them. So, nine or ten a year is all we do. And, um, like I said before, we'll meet with them and say, you know, I, I don't want an answer immediately because a lot of people just say no before they thought about it. I, I say, can I send you some um, information about it? And then this, this document here that, that has a little write-up and the questions, that's what I send to them. And so, but we do try to get a variety of stories. Yeah, we, we tried that whiplash that you mentioned that if we know that we have one wild and crazy story, we, we try to piggyback that with one that's a little tamer. Yeah. How many no's do you get before you get a yes? Not that many. I mean, yeah. I, I would say one out, out, out of three says no. Yeah, I've been surprised by that. It has been a lot lower than I thought it would be. Yeah. And, and again, we're, we're in a, a congregation where there's not as the, the women are probably a little more hesitant. And so when we asked the most recent one to do it, she's a little lady, just sweet. I mean, she spent her life teaching Bible class for the little kids. and But so I was a little surprised when she agreed to do it. But I mean, she had a 
a powerful story of being faithful to God when life gets really tough. I think that speaks to the trust that they have in what you established. It speaks to they, you know, they can trust you and the members of that story. Yes. And the way that, like, not not one story has been told in which the members are like, oh, that's too much, you know, to where there was never rejection. It feels really safe now. We've, we've had a broad enough base of, you know, I was a preacher's kid. I was baptized at the, at the age of nine. And, you know, I've, I've worked through sin. I've crucified things. But those stories are celebrated, and people wrap their arms around them and thank them the same way as the people that do have the more kind of wild and crazy stories. The comfort of not being alone up there having the two of you guys sitting with them and if they do get stuck or if they do get nervous you have these questions that you've already heard them answer and you can say remind me again of that that baptism story or remind me again of how many siblings you have and then that kind of can help them be like oh yeah I'm up here and, and it's, it's okay I've got Doug and Lance with me or you know if you guys surround your people and you're there with them they can you know kind of like the Moses and Aaron story you're there to support each other you're through the story by the way. oh thank you <laughs> <laughs> well and and well and like just now a joke got cracked right and we all laugh um you know and i'm not going to say that we said they're crack jokes but we are there to help kind of moderate the mood as well and sometimes people need that too we're, we're going to do it we we have two minutes left, and so does anybody have any closing questions? Well, I do not want to leave this place without us spending just a few moments in prayer, so is it okay if I close this out that way? Absolutely. Father God, you're good and an awesome God, and Lord, there have been times in our lives where it was so easy to, to see and believe that you're God and you're awesome and things are great and we're on the mountaintop, we're in the end zone, we're celebrating life, we're holding that newborn child, and, and boy, it is a great celebration. But Lord, we also believe and, and testify to the fact that you're a God who also resides in valleys, in hospital rooms, uh, when we hear words over the phone like cancer Lord it's just a reminder that that your your voice and your story can be told even through those difficult times and so Lord we just want to acknowledge that that the stories that we share they're really your story and Lord we just we want to lift you up we, we want our words to be words that are all about you and all about your son Jesus and so Lord we just ask that, that it is it's not to us, O oh Lord, not to us, but to you because of, of your love and your faithfulness that we can continue learning, living, and sharing your story each day. Thank you for the people in this room. I just pray that you'll bless them as they go out and, and that they can continue to, to shape the, your story that you're telling through them and that they can share it with other people. So in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Hey, thank you guys for being here. Y'all have a great rest of Harbor. <laughs>